0: As we've been in the worship time, the Lord was downloading something into my spirit. And I'm, I, I do my best to kind of write down and it doesn't look very neat, does it? It's, it's, and so um, when, when I'm doing that, I, I question sometimes, Lord, what do I do with what you've given me already and what the teaching is? And then how do I handle the word of the now? Okay, we need both. Okay, I'm just going to say to you, so in, in, oh, Lord, help me. So in, in Greek, there are two words for the word word. Did you catch that? There are two words for the word word. One is logos. Can you say that? Logos. The logos is like, it's like the entire council of God. So this book is the logos of God. Jesus is the Word of God, he's the logos of God, he's God made flesh. So you wanna know what God says, you see it in the person of Jesus. So you have this logos, and then you have another word for the word word, and that's Rima. Rima. R-H-E-M, I don't know if it's E or A, E, thank you whoever said that, well done. So it's Rima, and it has to do, and you know when it's happened to you, when you've been reading the Bible, maybe, or you're hearing a message, and all of a sudden, that one word, or that one verse, it's like, I've read that before, but now it just kind of goes, bing, inside you, yeah? Do you understand? Some of you have heard the gospel preached before, and then the gospel came with power, and you were like, oh, this is real. And you're like thinking, wow, I was blind, how did I not see this? And it brings with it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rima of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but it's the rima; it's that word that comes by the spirit in power. We need both. We're washed in the water of the word. The logos of God. We're washed in it. Could you imagine that you only took a bath every time you saw something on your hand? You'd smell after a little while. And the thing is, is that there's times where we go and we take a bath, but then you gotta take that, that scrubber out and get behind your ears, isn't it? You gotta you gotta wash something more severe, more intensely, more specific. So you have logos and you have what? Both of those you need. So in the midst of the teaching of God's word, you have the systematic, progressive revelation of all of God's word. And I need to know what I need to do this week. So the Rima of God came to John while he was in the desert and he says, go and now preach, start baptizing. And when you start baptizing, the one you see the Holy Spirit come down on and remain, that's the Christ. So what does he do? He obeys the word. He doesn't just obey any word. What does he obey? What God commanded him to do in that moment. You need what? Both. We need to learn how to walk with God day by day. And then I need to know, uh, some in the military, anyone been in the military or understand the military? So what you've got is, you've got your general orders. You always conduct yourself like this. But then you've got your special orders that are for you on that mission. Logos, the general orders. Rima, the special orders. Is this making sense? Because if you're going to seek first the kingdom of God, there's the general orders of order your life in this way. And then there's, this is what I'm given to do. Okay. Lord, let this sink in, please. Because your body functions, right? Your body um, you're, 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 you're all one person. You're not separate bits, but all, but there's like parts of you. Now, if my finger decided it wants to start to act like my heart, or my heart decides it wants to start acting like my finger, do you think that would do me good? And we are the body of Christ. So he's placed us in Christ. So your general orders could be like, all right, um, unity. He's given unity, uh, the unity of the spirit, he's given it to you. Can I say that you don't need to seek unity. I know this is gonna be contrary to a lot of people's thoughts, I understand. You don't seek unity, it's given to you. How? Because you're in the body. He's placed you in Christ. He's given you unity. So how do you function in it? In the bond of peace walk in love. Okay. So I'm going to walk in love. So I'm going to do what's best for Tony in spite of what it costs me to the glory of God. Right? So I'm going to do what's best for Tony. What if Tony doesn't want me to? Oh, that went quiet. That's strange. If Tony doesn't want me to love him, do I stop loving him? See, the love of Christ is the kind of love that gets in your face and say, Tony, I'm going to love you anyway. <laughs> Even if I'm shouting at you, bless you. <laughs> the love of Christ gets in your face. Did, did he love you because you wanted to be loved? See, I don't think people want to be loved. I think we want people to do what we want them to do. Yeah. Because if we really wanted to be loved, Jesus' love manifests in the flesh. We wouldn't have killed him. Maybe this is challenging because psychology has so infiltrated the church, it's polluted things and brought people into bondage. Psychology is just the study of fallen man to learn how fallen man can be the best fallen man that fallen man can be. What does that have to do with you being born again into the kingdom of God, being made a child of God? What does it have to do with you? Nothing. You work by a different law. And so these these general orders of 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 walking in love, walking in the bond of peace, of serving one another with what God has given me. Now, let's say I decided this week, I'm I'm tired of preaching. I don't really feel like doing it anymore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna serve in a different way. I'm gonna clean toilets. I can clean toilets. Don't laugh at me. I can do that. I can stand by. I can make a good cup of coffee behind there. I enjoy them. If I did that, would I be fulfilling the purpose for which I was made? And would that be walking in love? I would be doing what I want to do, not what he wants me to do. Is this making sense? I know these are simple truths, but if we don't get it, see, some of you, you've come to faith, and you're like, now what? Okay, you've got your general orders. As a good soldier of Christ, we don't kill people, right? We walk in love. We walk in peace. We walk in serving one another with the gifting he's given me. Now I can say to you, my ability to speak is not mine. I mentioned earlier, I couldn't speak in front of people. Most people don't believe me. I understand that now. It's not even in my mind anymore that I can't. The only thing I'm concerned about is when I do get up to speak that I have something to say. That's my only concern. Because when you're a preacher, you need the logos, you need the word, you need to know the rima of God. You need to have logos, you need to have the ethos, that's the character to back up living it. So I'm not just talking baloney. Yes. You need the, the, the pathos, which is the passion. It, you know, it's like the preaching is like, some guys get up and they're preaching and they're like, thinking, dude, I'm not even sure you believe what you're saying. It needs to be in your heart. It needs to be in your heart. The power of God by the spirit is coming upon you so that you can speak out the word of God as a, as a, as a herald with passion, with power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, but the Holy Spirit comes on the people so that they can be filled with the power. It's not just the message, it's the messenger. Is this making sense? I'm kind of going back and forth on some of this. And you need the, not only, but you need the, 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 the power of the spirit to do it as well. What makes anyone different from the world and from someone who's in the body of Christ is the power of the spirit of God in them. You can have someone who can say good, you have good orators, It's been out through history. You you look at um, politicians, the one that can speak the best, we seem to put the most trust in, which is, I don't know why, because they don't have the ethos, which is the character behind it. (laughs) They can have a passionate speaker who's an evil man. Hitler was. And so you need those things, but that's in the world. The thing that makes you and me different is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's the one that gives power to the character, power to the passion, power to the word, so that you're speaking those things. And it's not just quoting somebody else, but you're speaking that which is from heaven. So the rima comes out in the midst of the logos. Okay. In the preaching of the word, when we go through the word on a Sunday... It's interesting because each one of you hears something. And if you compared notes, I would bet that probably 80% of you came away with something different. (laughs) You all heard the same message, though. How would you come away with something different? Is that odd? The reason it's different is because through the preaching of the Logos, The Holy Spirit takes that. Now, we're all washed in all of it, but he takes that and he says, this is for you. And it brings faith. Mm. The Bible says, and Jesus said it in John 8, he says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you... But can I say this? Truth itself won't. You think, oh, I don't know. Jesus said truth will. Truth believed and walked in will change you. Yeah. Yeah. See, we can hear a load of messages and remain the same. Yeah. Right? Has it happened? Or we can come and listen week in and week out, and we're like, i feel feeling different. What happened to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt? They were delivered by a mighty hand of God. They had 10 plagues, miraculous um, deliverance that came out. They walked through the Red Sea. They get out in the wilderness and there's food and there's water from the rock and they're living in this abundance. In the middle of their camp, they've got their tabernacle. They've gone to the mountain. They've been given the law. God gave it to them, finger written. It's in the Ark of the Covenant, it's in the middle. And every time in the daytime, there's a huge pillar of cloud or smoke right there over the thing. And And then in the nighttime, it becomes a pillar of fire and they got lit up, they got street lights from God and it lights up the whole camp and they've got this. And yet every time they hit a bump, they wanna go back to Egypt. God says that they saw my works for 40 years but they didn't understand his ways. They didn't know his ways and they didn't mix what was happening with faith. Lord help us with this. See, the rema of God brings faith. But faith is it doesn't come alone when I believe God, it doesn't come by itself because truth comes and it has to connect with our heart so that we change. Um, we repent. I think this, and now God says, no, it's this way. And we're like, okay, I'll take your way instead of my way. It brings repentance, but it's also, it's based on certain things. So again, we need both the logos the truth of God, and we need the Rima, the word of faith, which Paul says we speak. Are we okay? I'm taking you step by step. I know I'm doing this fairly quickly, so forgive me. So if you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you can't seek the kingdom with what you want in the kingdom. You can't say, well, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. It's just, this is what I want. God, I want you to bless me in this way. If you're going to seek the kingdom, whose priorities are you going to set up? And you need to hear them, not just. I understand, God, you said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? So you have that. So where are you going? I can't go everywhere. Can I? Can I? That's not a trick question. How about this? You can only be in one place at one time. Fair enough? You might go to different places, but you can only be in one place at one time. So can you go to all the nations? Not necessarily, but I can go to this one. So I need to go where he's telling me to go. So I I end up (laughs) going to the nations of the world means I I end up in a place called Clan Romney in East Cardiff that most of the world doesn't even know. But God knows. And he knows you. And I'll say this. In my obedience, some of you have been deeply affected because of that obedience. Don't belittle that. What you bring to the table as part of the body affects eternity. Is this making sense? You need to... uh, faith by itself let me let me let me take you to isaiah 55 it's a passage that i know that that you probably already know and you probably know it well but see my concern is that as we're hearing truth that if truth doesn't connect with faith it's not going to produce anything okay faith is is not um, you're not a victim to faith <laughs> look oh faith got me oh no it's not like that you exercise faith Faith is more like a muscle. What happens if you don't use it? What happens if you're, I just decide I'm not going to use my hand anymore. I'm going to keep it down here. What will happen? What happens if you go into the gym, ooh, being a buff, and then you stop going to the gym for six months. What happens? It gets flabby, doesn't it? Let's be honest, right? You're dieting for a while, then you go off the diet. What happens? It gets out of it. So this is, but if you don't use it, it's not gonna grow. Yeah. If you don't use it, it's not gonna go. In fact, in fact, if you're if you're using something and you build it up and you stop using it, do you know what will happen? It will shrink. Yeah. I'm gonna say this to you. Some of you here right now. A few months ago, six, ten months ago, you were worshiping with such fervor. You had such expectancy of God. You were laying hands on people, not in church. You were seeking the kingdom. And now, nothing. What happened? Who pulled the plug on you? See, in the atmosphere of God's presence, it would seem like obedience is easy. When there's an attitude in the air where the atmosphere of God is, and you're like, yes, God's here, and there's like hype. Hype is not the same thing as faith. See, Peter got out of the boat. He believed God, didn't he? He did. He got out. But then what happened when he got out there? Oh, maybe I bit off more than I can chew. (laughs) I'm going, he's not going back to the boat. He's going under. Praise God. He didn't leave him in um, chewing seaweed. He took him back to the boat, didn't he? And he calls his faith in mature. So there's a framework where God has, has blessed us. Can I say saints? Naomi was saying to me, wow, there's so much going on here. You don't know the half of it. God is bringing people from all over to the world. This little tiny place in Wales. Why? For you. Because we may be small, but our reach is big. We we, we may be low in number. I don't even know how to evaluate. I feel bad sometimes. Some of these people who come to speak to us, they speak in front of um, stadiums of people with literally thousands and thousands. And I think, oh, they're going to come and speak, and we got what we got. (laughs) I don't want to waste the opportunity. I want more to be here. Not for me but for the opportunity of not being missed out on what God's bringing to you. And God is doing this. This isn't me. These are people who are literally coming and saying, we're supposed to be with you for this. And I got to be careful. You got to discern on it because not everything that happens, you know, you need to be aware. But God is bringing people to minister and serve you with what, as part of the body with those rhema words of God for your life can I say arise as one of those? The amount of leaders, leaders, the speakers who come in get changed. The leaders who come to minister get touched by God and then their ministry grows a whole nother level. It blows my mind. In a little place, Len Romney, some of us aren't even sure how to say it, the double L. (laughs) But God knows and he sees. And so we have to be those that that step out in faith. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, it says this. It says in verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Think about this for a moment. It says, Seek him while he may be, what? Can I suggest to you there are times that he is not findable. There are times where, I mean, I remember years ago, this one lady, we had this meeting and the church I was in wasn't quite as flamboyant as ours is here. And, uh, and the Lord just moved. It was amazing. And some of the older ones who were there, they were like, well, they weren't used to this. And God was moving. And people came forward for prayer, for release, for whatever it was going on. And this lady came up to me afterwards. She didn't come forward. And she goes, well, um, I didn't want to embarrass myself in coming forward. God doesn't mind, does he? I'll just go home and I can seek him. You know, it sounds like wisdom, but it's actually disobedience. I'm going to say that again. Because scripture says, not your theology, scripture says, seek the Lord while he may be, then that means when he shows up, it says, call upon him while he is near. So can I say to you, say, well, God is everywhere. Yes, he is. He's omnipresent. The Bible says that God is in hell. I don't really want to go there to try to find him. Okay. See, truth believed will stabilize the soul. Truth itself is not enough in and of itself because it has to bring about a faith. It affects the way you understand who God is. So having good faith or having good truth is gonna give you a platform for trusting God. And if your theology is off and it's not based on the word, you will go down very strange roads. For instance, in the Old Testament, God said, don't eat pork, right? Oh, so man, I can't eat pork now. And if I eat pork, I'm going to hell. When Jesus, he said, it wasn't about what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It actually comes out of the man's heart. So if you understand bad theology where what I eat is what's going to pollute me, then your faith is going to be based on something pretty messed up. And at the core, you're denying that Jesus is enough to save you. Yeah. That was a quick argument, I'm just telling you. So when, when, when we, when we understand who God is, when we understand what he's done for us, what his intent toward us is, then we have an understanding that our faith can be based on what's true according to the word of God, not according to a theology. Listen, I'm into theology. I like good theology, but if good theology doesn't, isn't subservient to the word of God itself, you can have a problem. (laughs) All right, so seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. So theology would tell me God is omnipresent, yes? So therefore, he's always near. But that's not what that verse says. So which one takes precedent? What you believe about God, that he's omnipotent or omnipresent? Or what the word says about it? Can I say to you, go with the word because God is everywhere, but he manifests his presence in a particular way at particular time to particular people. So when we say that God is omnipresent and the Bible, David says, where can I go from your presence? If I go over to the sea, you're there. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to Sheol or hell, you're there. Why would God be in hell? He's there in judgment. He manifests his presence with condemnation for those who have sinned against him and rejected him. So he is there in his fullness in regards to judgment. And so when you're in the presence of God, when we gather, Jesus said, If two or three gather in my name, I'm where? In the midst. Isn't Jesus with me wherever I go? Good theology. But he says, when you gather in my name, two or three, why is it important to come on a Sunday? Because he says, I will show up in a distinct way that doesn't happen when you're just on your own. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe it's reflected in his own being. Because eternally, he's three in. So maybe community is better than singularity. Lord, help us. But let the word be your final authority. So seek the Lord while he may be found. So there are times where God starts drawing near. What should you do? Everything else, put it aside and seek his face. Call upon him when he is near. You say, well, I can pray anytime. Yeah, but when he's near, call on him you say well i can do it at home that isn't what it says it doesn't say in the word well when he's near then go home and then wait until it's a convenient time and then do it it says call upon him when he is near does this make sense so your faith is in what god has said not what you think about him So when you come and worship in the morning times, we come and sing songs. Why do we sing songs? Oh, I just like a good sing song. Why do you sing? Huh? So do you realize that you're declaring God's, God's value and worth both collectively and personally? You're saying, God, thank you. <laughs> you saved me. You're awesome. You're holy to me. You're loving to me. You're powerful to me. Thank you. But that is who he is. He's, he's that without you. He's loving without you. You know that. Yes. Within the triune Godhead, the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, the Spirit loves the Son and the Father. So the, the perfect relationship, singularity there. Uh, plural, singular. I, it's a blows my mind. But He's that without you. But when we come and we acknowledge who he is, what does that do to you? Okay. Most of us spend most of the week looking at every problem and every person that's around us. We look at everything that's going on around us. And how do you feel sometimes, if you're honest? I know some of you are like, oh, I'm always encouraged. Well, maybe. People come in and say, "How you doing?" Uh, well, under the circumstances, Pastor, uh, what are you doing under there? Yeah. 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 So we're looking at all this, and to us, it's really big. And I don't want to belittle anyone's troubles, but I want to. I am going to say to you that what you're going through is itty bitty compared to the magnitude of who he is. See, your understanding of who God is will affect your faith. How about we start with this one? How about go to Luke chapter one, verse, I think it's 37, Douglas, please. We'll go back to this one in a second. When I was first an early believer, I read that verse and it was electric. For with God, what? What? will be what? Okay, so with God, impossible is nothing. With God, impossible is what? Okay, most of us don't believe it. Most of us believe what we can see. Most of us believe what we can touch or taste. Most of us believe what our experience tells us. Most of us believe that maybe to a level where we're like, yeah, God, I think you might be able to do that. But scripture says with God what? All right, so so when now now we have to think spiritually logic. Okay, so can God create a square circle? No. Cuz it's a contradiction in terms. Can God create a rock that he can't lift? The question is a setup. So there are frameworks in our thinking where we have to work the way God is and what he has said in his word. So, so when God says, with God, nothing is impossible, can he lie? So he's not gonna function outside of his character. Um, will, will God just decide to flood the earth all over again? Why not? Because he said he wouldn't do it. So God won't contradict himself in his word. So God won't do something contrary to his will. Okay, let me back up and try that again. So when we say with God, nothing is impossible, what if I want to become a mass murderer and want God's blessing? Well, he's not going to do that. Why? Because it's contrary to his will, contrary to his word. See, when we come in faith, when we come based on his word, we're doing so believing what God has said, but it's in accordance with what he has said, his character, His word. So how about this? Let me put it this way. Anything in the kingdom for the purpose of getting the gospel to all nations and the perfecting of the body of Christ, God will do anything. What part are you going to play? See, truth comes and what it should do is it's almost like a stepping stool. It steps up our expectation that says, God, yeah, you can do that. Let me put it this way. I used to ask the young people this, is that if, if you had, let's say God came to you and said, listen, what would you like to do? If you could do anything in the kingdom, Anything for the glory of God. Anything for the benefit of the gospel and seeing people saved. Anything to see the saints really built up and made mature and sent out. Uh, wh- anything. What would it be? Think for a second. If you could do anything. He say, well, I don't know if I got the money. Don't worry. He says, I, I got a cattle on a thousand hills. Don't worry about it. I got it. The gold, silver, it's mine. I got it. I'll back you. I'll be your banker. You say, well, I don't know if I'm qualified. Don't worry about the gifting because I can give that in a moment. Not an issue. What would it be? See, thinking along the line spiritually about the kingdom, well, it says in Ephesians chapter 3 that God is able to do beyond or far beyond anything that we can ask or imagine or think but some of us have not thought other than what can i do to benefit me sorry but for the kingdom what what am i here for what's the meaning of my life on an eternal level cuz i'll say this to you If you fulfill everything else in the world that you could do, but you miss the eternal part, can I say, you've missed everything. What good would it profit a man if he gained the whole world, but lost his own soul? Vanity, all is vanity. Is this making sense? So your, your faith is based on truth. It brings an expectancy. And so in other words, when you come to worship, let me just say, you, you come actually, the Bible says that, that Jesus is the veil, that his life was torn, his body torn, so that you can enter into the presence of God with full assurance of faith. The blood was given on your behalf to make you clean, the spirit was given so he could make you alive, so that as children of God, you could come before your heavenly Father. And that you when you come to worship, it's not that come to do a sing song. What you come to do is corporately where Jesus said, "I'm in the midst of you," I'm coming in with faith because I'm looking to take hold of the garment of God because I know if I can get a hold of his garment, everything changes. And I become what He wanted me to become. Yes. I'm changed, not just my situation, yes. but I'm changed. Yes. How many of you sometimes get tired of being you? Yes. Well, least some of us. Well, yes. we we know you need to be sanctified a bit more, my dear. Yes. The thing is, is that it's 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 me filled with Christ that I need to be. That was what you were designed to be at the beginning. And I heard someone just recently comment that, like Adam, that Adam was immature. Mm -hmm. That when Adam was, (laughs) he didn't grow up. But he fell and lost everything. You, on the other hand, may I suggest to you, I just put this out, that God's intent for you is to be greater than what Adam produced because you're in Christ. And so I don't need to be the me without Jesus. I've done that, it doesn't work very well. I've messed up pretty much everything I touched. And what I did get right stank and about arrogance and pride. But in him, I'm a new man. I'm a different man. If anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. But that's the door. The growing up bit is where I'm learning to walk, live, stand, choose by faith. So I'm living by faith, God, you can do anything. So in the kingdom, do you think our language should reflect what we believe? Because should we use words like, oh, it's impossible. Oh, it can't happen. Oh, it's never happened before. Why should we think it's gonna happen now? Should that be our language? Our language would, Paul says that I believe, therefore I speak. Is this making sense? See, the Lord was dropping into me today when it comes to this is that truth and faith are not necessarily the same thing. Truth brings an expectancy, but my expectancy causes me to act in faith, to walk in faith, to speak in faith faith, to to choose in faith. Now listen, it's not when I'm in the presence in the sense where I'm going, wow, this is amazing, God is near, and I love the presence of God, but it's when I step out from here and I'm faced with the next choices that I'm making, and I'm looking and saying, God, I'm going to do it your way because I know with you nothing's impossible, so I'm going to do things your way, not the way I want to do them. So the next argument that you have, sometimes you need to shut your mouth. So the next decision that you're making, you're looking, here's my resources, but I believe God's telling me to do this. What decision are you gonna make on what? So when you're standing and you feel like all hell is breaking loose against you. Anyone ever felt like that? God with you, nothing's impossible. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I I believe, therefore I speak. And so I do it his way. I say it his way. I speak over my life what he's speaking. All of a sudden things begin to shift. Does it mean all your enemies disappear? No. How about this? What if he just made you stronger than your enemies? No, really? What if all the all the satanic opposition? What if he just said, listen, listen, I've already overcome. Why don't you come and sit with me? Right now you should be going, well, that's what the Bible says. You're right. But do you believe it? When you believe it, you begin to speak like it, you begin to make decisions based on it, you begin to choose. Now, listen. You want to grow up? It's got to be the repetitive. Yeah. I walk by faith. So when you walk, so I'm just gonna. Is this a walk? That's a step. So what do I need to do if I'm gonna walk? Take another. And so I got to do it by. And then. Oh, I feel so weak. Then what? Get up. And do what? Make another decision. Make another choice. Mm -hmm. Lord, I'm going to do what you want. I'm going to obey you. Mm -hmm. Some of you, some of you have recently come to faith. And you think, sometimes we think it's either all or nothing. Nothing. That's not a right thinking. When it what I mean by that is this you've given yourself to Jesus and you've entered the kingdom. So now if everything isn't perfect, then nothing's perfect. Stop that. Stop it. Well, it's either everything is right and great or everything is ruined, everything's wrong. Or I, I was a Christian and now I sin, so I'm outside of it. No. Come on, no. You're born again into the family. And so, now let's, let's just say you're doing something that you shouldn't be. You've carried this over from, a previ- from your previous life. So when you came to faith, there were behaviors, decisions, choices, things that you had set up. Well, let me, let me use an extreme one to make, help you make this. So let's say before you were a Christian, you were a pole dancer. Now I come to faith in Christ. What should I probably do? Get a different job. <laughs> Okay, now, now, sometimes, sometimes, now you're like, well, yeah, but if I quit my job, I can't pay rent. So what decision am I going to make? Lord, I need to trust you because you don't want me doing this. Yes. So what if I trust him, Lord, I'm gonna stop that. I need another job. Well, I no, I need a safety net. I'm not gonna quit my job until <laughs> I know what my next job is you see the logic in that? Okay. But is that faith? Is that obedience? Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Yeah. So when I make the choice and I say, okay, God, um, you don't want me doing that behavior anymore. You don't want me involved with that anymore. Or this thing needs to change now. Lord, I'll change it. I repent. And I say yes to you. So I step out then. So if someone was a, let's say someone was a drug dealer before they come to faith. These are extreme cases. I don't know if that applies to anybody here or online today. But you were, this is where you were. But say, now I've come to faith. I know I can't do that anymore. There is no peace in that. I can't continue to walk with God. Now you have a choice. Now you're going to make a choice of faith that says, Lord, I'm going to stop that. And I'm going to step with you. And I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm doing yet but Lord, I know I can trust in you because with you, nothing's in, and so I can trust you. I, can, I, I know that your promises are always true. You're not a liar. You're immutable. <laughs> you don't change. Truth aligned with faithfulness. You remain. And so I know that I can step out on the water even though I have no idea how I'm gonna stand on this thing. I will trust in you. Those who trust in him shall never be disappointed. Those who trust in him shall never be disappointed. When you make that decision, no, Lord, I'll trust you. I'm gonna, say, I'm already a Christian now. I'm not even saying this is just leaving that to be conquered. I'm saying, I am a Christian. Now, some of you are like, um, in your in your relationships. You're not acting properly. You say, well, I keep doing the same thing. Okay, repent. So, well, how do I do? You're changing your mindset. Lord, you don't want me to do that and so I'm stepping out of it. This is called sanctification. What that means is that what he put in you, he's causing to grow and infiltrate every area of your life until you really reek of Jesus, until the fragrance of Christ is being seen in your life all the way across the board, so that you're not only changed inside in the mind or heart, but your activities shift. All right, so um, every Friday night I go out to the clubs. Now I've come to faith, what am I gonna do? Oh, well, I'll just go to the clubs, I can drink a little bit and I'll just share Jesus with everybody. Well, it sounds logical, doesn't it? That's flash. That's your old mindset trying to negotiate on what God wants you to do. And so what happens is, is that you make the decision well, I've got to go up. My mates are there. You make a decision in faith. I want to reach my mates. Oh, great. In faith, do it in a different space at a different time. Is this making sense? But you're making choices because, Lord, I know that you don't want me there. I'm not doing that which pleases you. See, when you come to faith, he affirms you as a son and daughter. It doesn't necessarily mean he's pleased with every decision that you're making. Mm -hmm. Until you get the affirmation and you, I'm his, I'm his. Good or bad, I'm his. You can be a son, a good son, bad son. You're his, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to walk now in a way that pleases you. Oh, it's quarter till I apologize, saints. (laughs) Let me come to, let me just make one last point for just a moment. Look at the life of Jesus. When he got baptized, what did the father say? He affirmed him and he approved him. He didn't do it when everything was done. He did it while he was still alive. Lord, help us to get this. He affirmed his sonship. You are my son. He affirmed his position, his relationship, who he was. And then he also approved or approved his what? Behavior and choices, in whom I am well pleased. If you've come to faith this morning, if you've come to faith and you're in faith this morning, I belong to Jesus, God affirms you by his Spirit. His Spirit testifying with yours that you're a son or daughter. I'm in the family, hallelujah. (laughs) Okay, now we want to walk in such a way that not only do I get God's affirmation of being a son or a daughter, but I walk in such a way that he can say to you, in whom I am well pleased. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you have to, it's a must the exercise, the muscle of faith is worked out in him, not just wisdom, because wisdom can be having a, an earth-based like Solomon had, but spiritual wisdom and understanding. For some of you, Lord have mercy, some of you, you need a whole um, career change because what you're doing isn't where God wants you to be. It's not bad, it's not like, it's, but he has something much more fruitful in your life. Some of you are in relationships, if you're not in with a believer, if you're not dating a believer, and I would say that there's even st- stipulations with that. You're not sleep. don't sleep together. But if, if that relationship, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. If, if evil company does, if, 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 you're in a, if you get into a business thing with someone who isn't a believer, yeah. it's the same principle. In fact, it's the same words for like a contract or that kind of um, connection that's made with believers and unbelievers when they get married. It's the same picture for those that are in business not to do it with someone who doesn't have the same ethical basis as you, and that's being in Christ. And even when those say that they're Christian, that doesn't mean they always function as one. You need to make sure that they're living it out, walking it out. Is this making sense? See, I want, under God, to see you with faith, with hope, with an expectancy, so that in the affirmation of the Father of you, of you as a son or daughter because of Christ, but that you can live in a life, live a life where he's pleased with the fruit that's coming from you. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'll say this, that desire of what if I could see anything? If you will get the affirmation of the Father and you'll walk in the pleasure of the Father, that will come to pass bigger than you could dream. The impact will last eternally. Let's pray. Let's pray. You know, this morning there may be things where the Holy Spirit has put his finger on it and you need to respond to him in some capacity. Our team will be up here in front and we want to pray with you and stand with you. If it's repentance and we want to stand with you, if it's praying for you, we want to pray for you. If you you need healing, he's the same today as yesterday. We trust in him. With him, there's nothing that's impossible. We want to stand with you this morning. So, Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that your intent is toward us, to lift us up, to make us to become all that you intend, that Christ would be seen in us, that the fragrance of Christ would be known through us, and that we would grow up in the maturity of Christ. Lord, I bless those that have first already just come to faith, Lord, that you would establish them. I pray for those that are still at the door and, Lord, need to humble themselves and, Lord, whatever it takes to come in, that Christ offers life and that more abundantly. But, Father, we pray for those that maybe we've been at this a little while, that will not lose hope or lose sight, but that, Father, we will press on and keep pressing in that fullness, Lord, to see that that upward call of God in Christ to be fulfilled in our lives. And we just ask your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.